Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tango's History, where today I realize that I have been slacking on my freaking episodes. So, today, I promise, before I go to sleep tonight, I will be finishing 25 Days of Christmas, well for two Christmas. Yeah. Sorry. Aircraft were used for reconnaissance as fighters, bombers, and ground support, and each role was advanced considerably. Innovation included airlift, the capability to quickly move limited high-priority supplies, equipment, and personnel, and of strategic bombing, which was bombing the enemy, bombing of enemy, industrial, and population centers to destroy the enemy's ability to wage war. Sorry. Anti-aircraft weaponry also advanced, including defenses such as radar and surface-to-air artillery. The use of jet aircraft was pioneered, and though late introduction meant it had little impact, it led to jets becoming standard in air forces worldwide. Although guided missiles were being developed, they were not advanced enough to reliably target aircraft until some years after the war. Oh, it is time to talk about missiles. In military terminology, a missile is a guided airborne range weapon capable of self-propelled flight, usually by a jet engine or rocket motor. Missiles are thus also called guided missiles or guided rockets when in rocket form. Oops. Missiles have five system components, targeting, guidance system, flight system, and engine, engine and warhead. Missiles come in types adapted for different purposes, surface-to-surface, air-to-surface, ballistic, cruise, anti-ship, anti-tank, etc., surface-to-air missiles, and anti-ballistic, air-to-air missiles, and anti-satellite weapons. Lots of missiles. Um, Airborne explosive devices without propulsion are referred to as shells, if fired by an artillery piece and bombs if dropped by an aircraft. Unguided jet or rocket-propelled missiles are usually described as rocket artillery. The, or historically, the word missile referred to any projectile that is thrown, shot, or propelled towards a target. This usage is still recognized today. Advances were made in nearly every every aspect of naval warfare, most notably with aircraft carriers and submarines. Although aeronautical warfare had relatively little success at the start of the war, actions at Taranto, Pearl Harbor, and no, sorry, that's Taranto, Pearl Harbor, and the Coral Sea established the carrier as the dominant capital ship in place of the battleship. The Atlantic escort carriers proved to be a vital part of Allied convoys, increasing the effective protection radius and helping to close the Mid-Atlantic Gap. Carriers were also more economical than battleships because of how relatively low the cost of aircraft is, and they're not requiring to be as heavily armored. Nowadays, if you try to sink an aircraft carrier, you will regret it deeply.
Uh, submarines, which had proved to be an effective weapon during the First World War, were anticipated by all sides to be important in the second. The British focused development on anti-submarine weaponry and tactics, such as sonar, convoys, such as sonar and convoys, while Germany focused on improving its offensive capability with designs such as the Type 7 submarine and Wolfpack tactics. Gradually improving Allied technology such as Lake Laytite, Hedgehog Squid, and Homing Torpedoes proved victorious over the German submarines. A battleship. Hold on, let me put this in. A battleship is a large armored warship with a main battery consisting of large caliber guns and it dominated naval warfare in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. The term battleship came into use in the late in the late 1880s to describe a type of ironclad warship now referred to by historians as pre-dreadnought battleships. In 1906, the commissioning of HMS Dreadnought into the United Kingdom's Royal Navy heralded a revolution in the field of battleship design. Subsequent battleship designs influenced by HMS Dreadnought were referred to as Dreadnoughts. How coincidental. Though the term eventually became obsolete as Dreadnoughts became the only type of battleship in common use. Battleships were a symbol of naval dominance and national might. For decades, the battleship was a major factor in both diplomacy and military strategy. A global arms race in battleship construction began in Europe in the 1890s and culminated at the decisive Battle of Tsushima in 1905, the outcome of which significantly influenced the design of HMS Dreadnought. The launch of Dreadnought, the launch of Dreadnought in 1906 commenced a new naval arms race. Three major fleet actions between steel battleships took place. The long-range gunnery duel at the Battle of Yellow Sea in 1904, the decisive Battle of Tsushima in 1905, both during the Russo-Japanese War, and the inconclusive Battle of Jutland in 1916 during the First World War. Jutland was the largest naval battle and the only full-scale clash of dreadnoughts of the war, and it was the last major battle in naval history, fought primarily by battleships. Land warfare changed from the static front lines of trench war warfare of World War I, which had relied on improved... Uh, back problems already, gosh. Improved artillery, that outmatched the, the speed of both infantry and cavalry, to increase mobility and combined arms. The tank, which had been used predominantly for infantry support in the First World War, had evolved into the primary weapon. In the late 1930s, tank design was considerably more advanced than it had, during than it had been during World War II. No, sorry, World War I and advances continued throughout the war, with increases in speed, armor, and firepower. 
At the start of the war, most most commanders thought enemy tanks should be met by tanks with superior specifications. This idea was challenged by the poor performance of the relatively early or the relatively light early tank guns against armor and German doctrine of avoiding tank versus tank combat. This along with Germany's reuse use of combat combined arms god damn I can't talk today were among the key elements of their highly successful blitzkrieg tactics across Pro- Poland and France. Many means of destroying tanks, including indirect artillery, anti-tank guns, both towed and self-propelled, mines, short-range infantry, anti-tank weapons, and other tanks were used. Even with the large-scale mechanization, infantry remained the backbone of all forces, and throughout the war, most infantry were equipped. Similarly, to World War II. God. World War One. Jeez. The portable machine gun spread. A notable example being the German MG34, which is impossible to control unless it is mounted. And various submachine guns, which were unable, freaking impossible to control, unless we're good with them, were suited to close combat in urban and close combat in urban and jungle settings. Hmm. Wonder why. The assault rifle, a late war development, incorporating many features of the rifle and submachine gun, became the standard post-war infantry weapon for most armored forces. I love those things, and I hate the guts of people that are trying to ban them. The MG34, or shortened from German, the Maschinengewehr, 34 or machine gun 34 is a German recoil operated air cooled machine gun. First tested in 1929, introduced in 1934, and issued to units in 1936. It introduced an entirely new concept in automatic firepower the Einheitsmaschinengewehr, machine gewehr or universal machine gun, it, and is generally considered the world's first general purpose machine gun or GPMG. Both the MG-34 and 42 were erroneously nicknamed Spandau by Allied troops, a carryover from the World War I nickname for the MG-08, which was produced at the Spandau Arsenal. The type of gun that the Machine Gewehr 34 was, it was a, ger- a general purpose machine gun, or GPMG as I read. Its place of origin was Nazi Germany. Service history was from 1936 to 1945, officially from the German military, and 1936 to present day for other armies. It was used by, um, by a lot of people. And it was used in the Spanish Civil War, World War II, Chinese Civil War, First Indochina War, 1948 to 1948 Arab Israeli War, Korean War, Portuguese Colonial Wars. Algerian War, uh, Cuban Revolution, the Suez Crisis, Biafran War, the Vietnam War, the Angolan Civil War, the Six Day War, the Troubles, the Troubles, this, and lastly the Syrian Civil War. Its designer was Heinrich Wollmer. It was designed in 1940, 1934. Oh, that's why it says. Oh, that's that. Oh, okay. And the manufacturer was Rheinmetall Borsig, AG 
some soy merda. Mouser Verke, AG, Steyer, Daimler Push, AG, Waffenberg, no Waffenberg, Brun. Wow. Uh, the unit cost was 312 um, Reichsmarks in 1944 and 1160 euros in current equivalent. Hold on, let me see how much. Alexa, what is 1160 euros to US dollars? Costs more than an MG34. Wow. It was produced from 1935 to 1945, 10 years. There was 500,700, no, 577,120 built. Um, it weighed one or no, 12.1 kilograms or 26.7 pounds. Jesus Christ. To uh, 32 kilograms. Or 70.5 pounds just with a tripod. God damn. It was 1219 millimeters long or 4 feet long. Um, its barrel length was 627 millimeters or 2, two feet long. Uh, it held 7. 7.9257 millimeter Mauser. It was an open bolt recoil operated rotating bolt action gun. Its rate of fire was 8 to 900 rounds per minute, and in the early version, 6 to 1000 rounds per minute. Selectable on the pistol grip. The MG 34S shot 1500 rounds a minute. The MG 34 or 41. Fired 1,200 rounds per minute, and the practical rounds per minute were 150. Muzzle velocity were 600, no 765 uh, meters per second, or 2,510 feet per second, and the effective firing range uh, was 200 to 2,000 meters, or 219 to 2,187 yards, with side adjustments. The maximum firing range is 4,700 meters or 5,140 yards. Its speed system is a 50 to 250 round Patronenger, uh, 33, 34, or 34, 41 model belt, um, 50 round drum or 75 round drum magazine with modification. It has iron sights, anti-aircraft sights, or telescopic sights depending on what you want to kill. Most major belligerents attempted to solve the problems of complexity and, secure, and security involved in using large-scale codebooks for cryptography by designing ciphering machines. The most well-known be the German Enigma machine. Development of SIGINT, or Signals Intelligence, and cryptanalysis enabled the countering process of decryption. Notable examples were the Allied decryption of Japanese naval codes and British Ultra, a pioneering method for decoding Enigma,
benefiting from information given to the United Kingdom by Polish cipher by the Polish Cipher Bureau, which had been decoding early versions of Enigma before the war. Another aspect of military intelligence was the use of deception, which the Allies used to great effect, such as in operations Mincemeat and Bodyguard. By the way, Mincemeat was... Actually, you'll find out in a second. Operation Mincemeat was a successful British deception operation of World War, of the Second World War. Let me put this right here. Okay. Of the Second World War to disguise the 1943 Allied invasion of Sicily. Two members of the British intelligence obtained the dead body of Glendwer Michael, the tramp who died from eating rat poison. Haha, <laughs> yummy. Dressed him as an officer of the Royal Marines and placed personal items on him, identifying him as the fictitious Captain Acting Major William Martin. Correspondence between two British generals, which suggested that the Allies merely. No. Suggested that the Allies plan to invade Greece and Sardinia, with Sicily as merely the target of a feint, was also placed on the body. The operational scope of the Operation Mincemeat was a tactical deception. It was located in Spain. It was planned in 1943, planned by Ewan Montagu, Montagu and Charles Cholmondeli. Chol- target was Ab- the Abwehr. Um, it was April 1943. It was executed by a military... Um, Military, inte- military intelligence section. I cannot speak today. I'm sorry. Section five, um, or MI five. Oh, so that's what MI six is. And it was also executed by the Royal Navy from HMS Sarah. The outcome? It was successful. You'll see how. Part of the wider Operation Barclay, mincemeat was based on the 1939 Shroud Memo. Written by Rear Admiral uh, John Godfrey, the director of the Naval Intelligence Division, and his personal assistant, Lieutenant Commander Ian Fleming, with the approval of the British Prime Minister Winston Churchill and the military commander in the Mediterranean, General Dwight D. Eisenhower. And the plan began by transporting the body to the southern coast of Spain by submarine and releasing it close to shore, where it was picked up the following morning by a Spanish fisherman. The nominally neutral Spanish government shared copies of the documents with the Abwehr, the German military intelligence organization, before returning the originals to the British. Forensic examination showed that they had been read and altered decrypts of the German messages showed that the Germans fell for the ruse. Reinforcements were shifted to Greece and Sardinia before and during the invasion of Sicily. Sicily received none. By the way, I'll tell you how they figured out that they looked at them too. When they were sending off the message, when they sent off the file, they put an eyelash in it. And so, when they got it, the eyelash wasn't there. 
meaning that they had opened it. Ha! Sneaky. The full effect of Operation Mincemeat is not known, but Sicily was liberated more quickly than anticipated and losses were lower than predicted. The events were depicted in Operation Heartbreak, a 1950 novel by the former cabinet minister Duff Cooper, before one of the intelligence officers who planned and carried out Mincemeat, Ewen Montagu, wrote a history in 1953. Montagu's work formed the basis for the 1956 British film, The Man Who Never Was. That man who wanted to commit suicide did but he became so much more and he helped without knowing he helped the allies win the war amazing Other technologies and engineering feats achieved during or as a result of the war um, included include the world's first programmable computers, or the Z3, the Colossus, and ANIAC, guided missiles, I love those, modern rockets, I love those, the Manhattan Project's development of nuclear weapons, <laughs> I love those, operations research and the development of artificial harbors and oil pipelines under the English Channel. I love those. Penicillin, I love this kid. Penicillin was the first mass produced and used during the war. Seize the acquisition of mass production Now, it is time to tell you what the hell penicillin is. Penicillin, pe oh, sorry, penicillins, P, PCN, or pen, are a group of antibiotics ob originally obtained from penicillium molds, principally P. no, chrysogenium, and P. rubens. Most penicillins in clinical use are chemically synthesized from naturally produced penicillins. A number of natural penicillins have been discovered. You know what? Let's let's start a penicillin counter for one, two, three, four. Okay. Okay. A number of natural penicillins have been discovered but only two purified compounds are in clinical use. Penicillin, penicillin G, intra, intravenous use, uh, use, and penicillin V, this is so far seventh, given by mouth, penicillins were among the first medications to be effective against many bacterial infections caused by staphylococcal, no, staphylococci, and streptococci. Hmm. They are the first, or they are the members of the whatever the hell letter that is, lactam antibiotics. They are still widely used today for different bacterial infections, though many types of bacteria have developed resistance following extensive use. Eight penicillins. Wow.
Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Tango's History. And make sure to have a great day or night whenever you listen to this, wherever you listen to this, I don't really know. And I'll see you guys in the next one soon. Yeah, I shouldn't say goodnight because I'm not done for tonight. So yeah, see you soon.